0: This is an eavesdropping podcast. I'm Juliet Fraser, and I'm here with Sophie Fettokaki, sitting in the chapel, the (laughs) newly renovated chapel in Oxford House. Welcome, Sophie. Thank you. Um, So, Sophie, you're one of the two artists doing the opening night of the series on the 24th of January, Mm -hmm. along with Jennifer Walsh. And uh, it would be really nice just to hear a bit about who you are, Mm. what you make, um, and possibly also what you might be sharing with us on the 24th of January. So let's start with with who is Sophie mm-hmm. <laughs> Um
1: Well, I'm a, um, I'm a musician and a writer and a maker of things and sometimes an unmaker of things. I also <laughs> like to take things apart um, and I've sort of been through quite a varied trajectory um, at the moment. I'm dealing a lot with uh, song and with folkloric music and with how to kind of combine that with other types of performance and how to represent it and investigate it in writing. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And we met actually doing a recording together of Frank Denyer. Yes which was rather perhaps in another chapter of your life when you were yeah. a different sort of vocalist, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I feel like I'm probably pretty firmly on the other side of a transition that was only beginning mm. then, um, so...
0: A transition from something more trained, is that what you would?
1: I think, if I were to try to summarise it, what happened was, many years ago, maybe ten, uh, More, yeah, about 12, 13 years ago. Uh, I had finished doing some music studies and uh, knew a lot of things, um, but (laughs) I didn't really have an instrument um, Mm. the way some people around me had an instrument. And I was kind of jealous of other people who had an instrument, and I was like, I want one too. So I thought I would try my voice. And uh, obviously, when you decide something like that, your path is limited by, um, by what kind of predetermined um, avenues there are yes. for that kind of pursuit. So what I had direct access to in my environment was, oh, it was like classical singing training or bel canto training or whatever you, you want to call it. There were other choices I could have made, but that was the thing that I had the most experience with at mm. the time. So I followed that um, into conservatory in the Netherlands and pretty early on had a major crisis um, (laughs) ended up uh, doing doing a literature degree a literature masters in in tandem with the last year of my singing degree um, because I felt so under nourished somehow Mm. by the singing training at the same time as still being quite attached to it anyway um, basically I kind of came out of that training in a few years of Professional, living uh, from it, with it, Uh, just feeling like it was a fight all the time. Like Mm. something wasn't kind of quite right. Um, And I kept almost giving up music, and then finally realized it wasn't music, and it wasn't singing Mm. that was that were the problem. It was. It was. I suppose if I were to try to put my finger on it, or how I feel about it now is that the the issue was that um, I. Can't really honestly participate in an art form in which my goal, uh, aesthetically and in performance terms, is always put ahead of my process. So, oh, yeah. where I, I determine in advance, or have in a, have determined for me in advance, what sort of thing I'm trying to make or what sort of thing I'm going for, um, and it's not that I don't think there's a value in that. I mean, it's just that I after a lot of inquiry into it, I realised that I just can't do it. Mm. Yeah.
0: So the folkloric music mm. that you're exploring as a vocalist these days, thats tell us more about the process for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you could say that,
1: you know, that's not, it, it's not... Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a sort of predetermined goal there as well. I mean, everything, every kind of music has its kind of... you know. mm aesthetic but perhaps and the, contextual I mean, the thing that space. comes to mind
0: for me immediately is the lack of notation, that there's a yeah. There's a kind of freedom there. Yeah. Or is that, not, is that not the case? No,
1: it definitely it is, yeah. Lack of notation and also the type of practice and the nature of the repetition that's involved. So mm-hmm. when I'm studying a score or when I used to study scores, I, you repeat a lot, of course, but you repeat always to fix something. Yeah. And... When I'm learning songs now, uh, I repeat um, to find something, actually. Mm. And, uh, and I actually discovered that through repeating a song uh, many, many, many times in a performance uh, about two years ago, a performance of uh, a work called uh, The Sky in a Room by Ragnar Kjartansson, which was in the National Museum in Cardiff where I sang Il cello in una stanza, an Italian pop song, accompanying myself uh, at a beautiful 18th century organ for yeah many, many, many hours. Uh, <laughs> many over, hours? Many hours, yeah, over the course of ten days. So it was like ten days and three hours a day or something. Yeah. Oh, wow. Just singing this song on, on loop. and. Uh, yeah, I think that was a catalyst for for the, that process to really speed up. You know, the process of moving away from notated mm. and um, well, whatever it was I was doing before, mm. towards something else. Um, because when you repeat something that many times, it really seriously undermines the the kind of. A, a certain notion of what performance yeah. is you know that yeah. you that you present something as uh, well as you can or uh, something that you've worked a lot on and you present it just so in just the right way in order to bring out certain details of the piece and it's just not that at all yeah. it's about being there Yeah. and um, it's about being there with others and being there with the space you know it becomes this sort of Thing, like watching the light change on something mm. you know the 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 song fluctuates mm. just as as you fluctuate over the hours that you sit there and th- I had just started my PhD then which I'm doing at Huddersfield University and so I was just in music ostensibly <laughs> 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 um, and so I uh, was just yeah, starting to think about ideas of repetition, but mm. but basically it, it, it's a it's a huge kind of intellectual academic field that I entered into through practice first, mm. through doing something first, and then through reading, you know, didlers and being like, yes, that's exactly what I experienced. Yeah, that was really meaningful.
0: And I know that you're based in a few different places <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> um, Huddersfield. Yeah. Cyprus, mm. yes, Reykjavik sometimes, sometimes, yeah. and possibly an adventure in Athens ahead. Mm. But mm. I'm interested in how, what the relationship is between these these bases, mm. these geographical bases that you have, um, and the musical traditions that you're exploring. Mm. Is there one, or is it rather looser than that? Um,
1: there is not like a one-to-one relationship. Um. So, I have been increasingly drawn to Greek and Cypriot folkloric music. Um, it is actually very geographically tied, of course, um, because when I'm in Cyprus, I hear traditional music all the mm-hmm. time. Um, And, uh, you know, it's just a certain vocal timbre, a certain way of ornamenting, Mm. um, and it is actually quite, you know, obviously deeply tied to place. And when I'm here, when I'm in the UK, I don't hear it at all, and sometimes I'll listen to music from cyprus and it always feels really strange to hear it when i'm here
0: (laughs) okay out of context
1: (laughs) yeah um and partly because it it uh it it reminds me so much of being there and then i suddenly have this like schism in my head though like Mm -hmm. oh i'm not there i'm here and it happens when i hear people speaking greek in the in the street as well it's just like this frame shift somehow Mm -hmm. like I go into some mode that is being, the being there mode. And then I have this moment of like shock where, I, where my system recognizes that I'm not there. So mm. this is not the appropriate mode choice, <laughs> mode selection, incorrect. <laughs> um, and so that's partly, wh- that's one of the reasons why I, I am planning to head back to that part of the world. Because I, I, I don't really want to keep cultivating this thing at a distance. Because mm. hmm. it uh, feels incomplete somehow. And then, uh, yeah, and then I happened to be in the UK for this PhD and uh, some other work-related things. And I am in Iceland a lot because I just love it and uh, they very kindly keep inviting me to (laughs) do things there. Um, And I always have a great experience, yeah, actually. I think everything I do there, whether it's educational and institutional or uh, kind of performance related whether it's to do with music or poetry or performance art or I just always have a great time mm. I like from the minute I arrive in the city till when I leave I just feel completely nourished and um i just really like switched on mm. you know from the kinds of conversations I have with people and the type of place it is it's incredible it's like it'll just be walking down the street you know and there'll be all these I mean it's quite like tourist touristy the center of Reykjavik, especially, and you can really feel the, how the tourist industry has exploded in the last few decades. Um, and so you'll just be walking down this kind of quite, you know, whatever, populated urban street, and suddenly you pass a road that comes up from the bay, and you just get hit by this powerful reminder that everything around you is temporary <laughs> and that the, like, the wind and the ocean mm-hmm. is permanent. You know, you can't escape it. Mm. Uh, I know that sounds quite romantic, but it is. in the reality. <laughs> just being there, you kind of can't can't escape the, you know, transience of human mm. existence. And there's a different sort of connection to the land and to place in Cyprus, very different, because in Iceland, you there's this kind of palpable feeling of just, like, grasping onto something so you don't get blown away, you know? Like, it feels like everything... <laughs> that exists there in, in human terms has that kind of quality to it whereas in Cyprus everything is ancient yes it's like thousands of years of history so deeply embedded in the soil
0: can mm. you tell us anything about what yeah. you're working on at the moment and what you might be sharing with us
1: uh, those are two quite different <laughs> questions
0: <laughs> that's fine you can take them separately <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> um I am uh, working on a number of things. Um, I'm trying to write a PhD. Really, <laughs> I really think trying. you're not going to present that. <laughs> no. No, definitely so not. I'm sure it's brilliant. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's the thing. I'm also, I've just, um, uh, well, I'm working on releasing a, an album, mm-hmm. a debut album, which has uh, songs from, well, some of my own songs and some songs from... Uh, from Greece and Brazil and uh, Italy and um, from the US a so few Appalachian oh, great. tunes and then uh, some kind of reworkings of Schumann and Bach as well. I'm writing a, a new book uh, Are you? and also trying to finish editing the first one which will be published well as soon as I finish editing it by a, a small press in the, in the US called 1913 Press. And then in music wise, and what I might be singing here, um, I don't really know yet. Although, <laughs> there'll definitely be some songs. <laughs> 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 and there'll definitely be some songs from Cyprus, um, probably some from Greece. Uh, and then, well, I got really into the, the Miroloi form, which is um, a traditional lament from Epirus in northwestern Greece. Um, it's an incredible musical phenomenon and, like artifact of intangible heritage, it's just wonderful. Um, it's a, just a funereal lament, mm-hmm. basically, which is very uh, melismatic. And. Uh, has like a very beautiful and ornate ornamentation style. Um, it can be sung or played, it's often played on the clarinet, um, and often to the accompaniment of a, a drone. And um, And they have this amazing thing they do where they don't end like a a phrase at the end of a word they'll end just in the middle of a word uh-huh. and then just pick it up in the next
0: one like word. some chant yeah yeah right I mean, medieval chant has, often ha- has these kind of hiatuses Hi- mm. hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> In the, mid- in the middle of a word. Yeah. You can think of, you know, some word like vine or fruit or mm. star that goes with a melisma that goes on forever and ever with a yeah. various breaks within it.
1: Yeah, I love that. Mm. Why is that so amazing? I don't know, it Just want, it's so wonderful. It's like, because it's, it's not, it's not that the, or it doesn't communicate that the text doesn't matter, almost the opposite.
0: I was just it's, thinking, yeah. almost the opposite, but it's kind of, it's setting the imagination free. Yeah. Because you're, you're given so long to, to think about the yeah. word. and yeah. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. The word becomes like a, a temporal phenomenon yeah. somehow, which is obviously always the case in, in music where there's text, but it's just so much more, mm, well, it's deeper when mm. you stretch the word out to such an extent.
0: Yeah, sort of meditation on the possibilities of that word or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. This, uh, this sounds beautiful. What's what's it called again? This
1: miroloi, miroloi. yeah, or miroloya in plural. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That and that's something that happens a lot in 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 this form, the text breaking mm. thing. Um.
0: Since yeah. this is a series that's, um, well, I was going to say about, but let's say that celebrates women in new music which mm. I'm still not quite sure what that means <laughs> um, I'm wondering what the issues are that you're grappling with as a let's call you a female music maker mm. rather than a woman of new music because <laughs> as we as we were talking about earlier that's that may be a genre that doesn't quite that you don't quite identify with so mm.
1: I am uh, quite into uh, songs, folkloric and folk songs, like with a distinction basically being between traditional songs and.
0: Traditionally infused. Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't think that they're like completely separate, mm-hmm. um, but there is some distinction. So I, uh, I quite like to sing songs. That are, that are, like, about men going away. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> which... Uh, songs that, you know, whatever, appear to be or can be perceived as being, uh, from a female perspective, about men who've gone off. And I, I, I started to really love these songs because they gave me access to this kind of... imagining of all the women who have felt that. You know mm-hmm. and have had no recourse to express it mm-hmm. other than through song or through stories. Um, and so those songs started to seem to me rather than being sort of sad songs about desperate women or something, they started to become songs of resilience. Mm-hmm. you know um, I started to feel so much power in that. Creativity that turns suffering into into art yeah um, and that's something that yeah that I feel very connected to, but also because i uh, I'd like to think about desire and departure mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of uh poetic potential in that area of thought
0: all these things seem quite. Interwoven. I don't know if I'm just being tempted to be too tidy, but this idea of islands and edges and, mm. and travel and um, desire and departure that mm-hmm. you just mentioned, but also something... Well, we talked earlier about process in terms of artistic process, but what you've just described in these songs is a, is a process of emotional healing, perhaps... Mm from trauma to resilience. Mm.
1: Um. Yeah. Those things are definitely all connected.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And I definitely do experience song as, as having incredible healing capacity actually. Mm. And I'm sure that if I cared to do the research I would find that corroborated by a lot of um a lot of neuroscience and psychological studies I think it's it's just it it is an antidepressant Mm. singing um and I just love the idea of this you know songs as these charged little objects that you pass around Yeah. yeah and can travel so far and once I learned that, then singing started to make a lot more sense because I had, I had a guide in a way, you know. I started to know what I wanted um, and to have an intention that I could hold to when I was singing or recording. So, so the experience of recording went from this horrible, torturous thing to just like this completely blissful, you know um radiant experience which is because of the shift from trying to do something right or perfectly to trying to be as connected as possible to that intention to infuse the song with with this kind of meaning
0: yeah Um, thank you so much Sophie thank you thanks for talking to me it's been a real Mm, pleasure and uh, I look forward to hearing what you decide to share with us (laughs) on the 24th of January
1: yeah me too thanks (laughs) thank you